This is Corkscrew Convo's Another Theme Park Podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And we're here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, the theater, Casa Magnetica, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Boom. DJ, we've started to reach the point of the season now that we're in spring, where I feel like some days could still be a little chilly and you need a jacket, while other days you're baking. I think this was, at least by me, today was a very warm day and it sort of feels like nature is still deciding what to do. And I just feel like that's where we are. That's exactly where we're, we are. You know, we're really in the time when the seasonal parks are beginning to open. Uh, many parks at least gearing up for that. And I know right before this podcast, I was cleaning out my gutters to prep for a rainstorm coming. It's going to be almost two days. We're supposed to get oh. three inches of rain here. Wow. Uh, and after I was cleaning out the gutters, I was like, well, what is this? I, I feel sticky. I, I'm sweating. It's, it's also yeah. humid out there as well. But I think we're in a good spot. But you are right. You know, I think... I think some forecasts this week. There's going to be a morning in the 40s, and you know today was 82. Yesterday, the car thermostat said 90 where we were at. So, hmm. Okay. Well, it's just it's strange because in the same week, I have both craved hot chocolate and also pined for a dip in a pool, and that's just strange to me. Yeah, definitely, it's strange to go from one to the other in these changing seasons. But you know, I prefer this more than I prefer how fall does that because you know fall you'll get you know a week or two where it is pretty cold and you're like oh winter's here to stay and then you get hit with that 80 plus day and you're just not prepped for it and you're not ready so i prefer this i prefer leaves coming out i think almost all of my plants have now flowered out i've got plenty of green around me uh it's looking great Yeah, I definitely prefer spring to fall, one, because I think there's less bugs, and two, because fall sort of feels like the party's over. Spring, the party is just beginning, (laughs) if you know what I mean. Yeah, around that time when winter's starting, folks are planning their winter vacations to go somewhere else where, where they enjoy it. And it's really interesting. At the beginning of us doing this podcast, you know, we're almost a year into this now, which is insane to think about, um... I was always a fan of the fall, and especially the winter. I would say winter is my favorite season. But after this winter, with like historic lows, I don't think that's true for me anymore. I think I definitely yeah. prefer summer over winter. I think fall is still my favorite, except when it starts to get really cold. I just love the colors and everything, and I love fall festivals and Halloween. But I think I'd take summer over winter any day. Yeah, and... Spring, you said it right at the top, it's when a lot of the parks are getting ready to open. And I think this year, even though it's a little different, uh, this is another time where we are getting more openings in the parks and new activity. And that's what we're here today to talk about, DJ. If uh, you, the listener, are new to Corkscrew Convos, first let me give you a quick welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, Be sure to grab a pamphlet on the way out before you leave. Uh, We have a lot of episodes you might want to check out if you're just tuning in. Uh, I think it was at the end of February we planned the future 
of Six Flags America. And we took two hours to decide what we wanted to do with that park, decide when we would do it. And I think that was a pretty fun concept, DJ. It really is. It's one of those parks in the Six Flags chain that I, I feel does get a, a bad rap. It's not that terrible of a park. I think when we were going through it, I, I really understood it to be a, a decent park, especially for the area. Uh, knowing what other parks are in that area, um, it's a bit hard to compete, but a decent ride lineup. And I think that we looked at ways to improve the guest experience, both from a thrill perspective and just an all-around perspective. Uh, but we've got some other episodes as well, not just Planet Parks. Yeah, a few weeks ago, we actually broke down what Disneyland Forward was. Uh, it was a very unusual sort of announcement slash non-announcement from the Disneyland Resort in California, where they put out a lot of information and it wasn't exactly clear what they were trying to do. Uh, but I think we broke that down pretty well, so uh, it is in the episode title. If you do want to give that a quick listen, uh, you could definitely get to the bottom of that, too. So, new listener, old listener, uh, take a look around, take a listen, and we hope you enjoy yourself. And DJ, I'm going to close this little section with a reminder to us that I learned at summer camp one year. You ready for it? Yep, here we go. Make new friends, but keep the old, because one is silver and the other is gold. Oh. Yeah. We would sing that around the campfire. I think I live by that, actually, and didn't realize it. Yeah. No. I silver agree with and that. gold and all that sort of thing. Uh, but I, DJ. I, I agree with that. You are going to be getting out there pretty soon. Where are you going to be headed? It's, you know kind of wild less in less than a month um, i'll be going to two different places in the same week uh so going to a park i have never been to before uh in a part of the country i've never been to before i've been close but it's a bit different where we were where we were at in the past uh we are going to go visit glenwood caverns adventure park next month uh followed very closely by a park that's very near and dear to my heart a place i grew up going uh, but uh, Glenwood Caverns is going to be great. It's over in western Colorado. Uh, it's before you get to Utah. Uh, it's right off of uh, Interstate 70, actually. And I don't know if they claim this record. I think it is a record. I, I think it's the tallest park in the world, elevation-wise. I don't think there's a park anywhere else in the world that's that high up. They also have, I believe, the first North American Alpine Coaster. If you're unfamiliar with what an Alpine Coaster is, dear listener, that is a roller coaster containing one car that you ride in, you and perhaps someone else, it usually sits only one to two people, you actually control the braking on the ride as far as slow or fast pacing. There are braking measures in place to slow you down uh, when it's deemed necessary, but for the most part, you're controlling your speed. So they have one where you start at the top of the, at the mountain at the park, you go down, you end with a cable lift back up. They've got a scream and swing, which takes you over the edge of the mountain looking down. It's an SNS swing. I'm really excited for that. They also have uh, a coaster very close to me as well. Uh, it was one of the first coasters I ever uh, had, had been on ever. I believe it was called the Thunderbolt, uh, and it was at Celebration City. Uh, and that's, that's an old ride that I have had a lot of time pass between now uh, and then when I had, I had been on it. So that is also technically the tallest coaster in the world as far as the height at which it's located. It's only 
50 feet tall or something, but it's on a mountain, so they get to claim that as well. And, of course, yeah. the Haunted Mine Drop, which everyone talks about the Haunted Mine Drop at that park. This is a drop tower that's located at the top of the mountain. Um, it starts at the top. It gives you a nice pre-show. There's, a, I believe, a little cameo from the Coastal Radio folks uh, in that queue building. Uh, you get in this car that's essentially a bench <laughs> with a seatbelt. I believe there's two seatbelts. And the lights go out, the floor drops, you don't really realize it, and you basically go 100 feet down inside of the mountain into the cave portion of the park. Uh, so that's really exciting as well. I've heard it's breathtaking experience. You take a gondola to get up to the park. It's going to be great. I'm going to have plenty of pictures. Might do some fun things on Instagram or Twitter. We'll see. Maybe even a live podcast. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, and then uh, after that, on the way back, uh, I am going to stop by Worlds of Fun in Kansas City, Missouri, and do uh, their opening day festivities they're having. Uh, that's going to be fun, too. There's a potential special guest coming uh, for that visit, so be on the lookout to see uh, what I do there. It's, it, there's a lot of flat rides at that park, a lot of unique flat rides, and although I've been there countless times, I have not done all the flat rides, so I'm going to make it a point to try and do everything that I possibly can. Oh, yeah. Well, DJ, I will be on the lookout. I will also be on the listen out, if that's a thing. I mean, yes. they're both bolos, mm -hmm. so we're putting out a bolo. Be on the <laughs> listen out for all of these new adventures. I myself am going to have some adventures just this weekend that's coming up, too. Um, my... my my plans are still a little fluid right now, so I am waiting on some finalizations before I mention anything, but let's just say I am going to enjoy some sunshine, and that's what, uh, that's what I'm mm. going to say right now for that. Are, are you walking on sunshine? Um, I'm not going to rule it out. Does it feel good? Uh, it probably will. I'm not going to rule okay. it out, but uh, okay. that, I'm, it's going to be fun, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is. I mean... You've kept it kind of broad. I mean, you could probably read into that, but even reading into it, it still opens a lot of possibilities. So I guess we will have to, to wait and see, or wait oh, and yes. listen, perhaps. Yeah, I am eagerly anticipating learning my plans, too. That's <laughs> just part of the fluidity of the moment. Yes. But that's what spring is about. Spring is about being spontaneous. It's about getting out there, shaking off the coils of winter, packing away your winter coats, smelling the flowers, taking your allergy medicine, and really just enjoying the moment. So DJ, that's what I'm trying to do this next week. And that is, I guess, the motto, the ethos for what I want to be doing. Yeah, I usually hear... Uh from death to birth kind of a, a look at spring. So I like your take on it. Uh, it, it seems more bright to me. I like the spontaneity yeah. of your description. Yeah, spontaneity. That is going to be the word of the week here. <laughs> well, I was going to say ethos, but yeah, <laughs> we'll just keep yeah. them coming. Uh, ethos here on too. Vocabulary yeah. Convos. <laughs> well, DJ, it is our 29th episode. Just uh, next time, it'll be our big 30 but we are now going to recognize a roller coaster that opened for the first time in 1929 because it is our 29th episode. I almost said our 29th roller coaster, but we haven't been doing the bit <laughs> that long. So for this coaster, we are actually going to be staying at Playland in Rye, New York, because that is where we were last episode for our 28th episode coaster, which was their kitty coaster. 
Well, just a year later, they opened Dragon Coaster, and that is a coaster we'll be covering this episode. It was designed by Frederick Church. It was 3,400 feet long and then 80 feet tall, and it is still around today, DJ. Yes, uh, as our last coaster is also still around today, as I made that mistake. I have not, I've not recovered from that personally. Uh, but this, <laughs> this coaster is interesting. Did you know Mariah Carey actually filmed a video on this roller coaster? You know, I did learn that when I was researching this coaster, but I didn't include it in the notes. But I'm glad that you did. <laughs> I did. I did recognize the song. I am not a Mariah Carey listener. I mean, she's great. I don't seek out her songs, but I thought that was really interesting. But uh, this this ride has a very dynamic layout uh, for its time. It could have easily been a new roller coaster through the 1970s. And I think what really surprises me on this ride, uh, outside of this cool retro looking dragon tunnel, um, is this double down element. Yeah. Uh, it comes out of the heel, it goes up the, up the lift hill, does like a 180 degree turn, does its first drop, comes up, does another 180. And then it does not just a regular drop, it does like a halfway drop. It takes about half of its height down, levels out, and does another drop. I would wager that is incredible in the back seat on this ride. Oh, I bet. Uh, because I, I don't think they run PTC trains or even another Didn't look sort like of it. modern coaster-style train. I think they run... Uh, Morgan trains, which uh, are on a number of sort of ancient wooden coasters that uh, <laughs> have since upgraded their generation of trains, but they're also not cutting edge in terms of these trains. So that's what I think they run. Uh, but you said it, a pretty dynamic layout because a lot of the coasters that we've been looking at for uh, this segment of the show, they sort of did the same stuff. It was an out-and-back coaster or an out-and-back coaster with a few twists and turns or a cyclone-style roller coaster. And this coaster right here is, I think, one of the first coasters that we've covered that really has a unique layout. And I don't think it's been replicated a lot because it is um, a product of its surroundings, and we'll cover that in just a moment, but... It's a coaster that you said it, and I, I think that's a great way to put it. I could easily have seen this coaster with this design popping up in the 1970s, and I would not have been surprised. Even today with some modern trains, I mean, obviously you have more, you know, twisting elements on these wooden roller coasters, but, you know, I, I'm not surprised that it's still around today. I think it has a very timeless design. Obviously, when you're on it, when you look at it, you're most likely thinking, okay, this is an older ride, but it's definitely fun for the whole family. It's very, very rewritable, I would imagine. Uh, there is something we do want to point out about Frederick Church, who designed this ride. I believe he has some other surviving designs as well. Uh, yes, by the look of it, there was just uh, one or two of them left, and they're both uh, wooden coasters in California. Uh, we covered one of them, the Giant Dipper. I believe that was at Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Uh, that was also a Frederick Church design, so uh, he got around back in the day, it seems like. And interestingly, DJ, this was very interesting to note. He designed this coaster, and he designed the water-based dark ride, that shared parts of the structure. And that was called the Old Mill. I'm pretty sure it's still around today. 
Uh, but that is why on some parts of the ride, it did something like that double down that you described because it had to drop where it could and then dip where it could to build itself around the old mill structure uh, with that flume ride that was going around at sort of the ground level. And uh, so it made a pretty unique design that is still enjoyable today. And imagine doing all of this uh, with like pencil and paper, pen and paper, uh, and doing it to scale. I mean, I know it's, we always say, oh, it's a feat of engineering when coaster companies do X, Y, and Z nowadays, but, and I'm not going to deny how much skill that takes. I couldn't do it. But the amount of skill it took back then to make it work, uh, I imagine, uh, is, is something that would be very difficult to do today. Uh, I'd be, I wonder if you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that could design an entire ride on pencil and paper. That being said, you know, they have some kind of some wiggle room to work with. They can say, oh, we'll extend this dropout or, you know, I'm sure something came up to where they decided to do that double down like you talked about. Uh, so that's just kind of the charm. I think when people talk about old wooden roller coasters and those older designs, I think the trains have a lot to do with it. I think the design and layout has a lot to do with it, but Really, that charm of the ingenuity that these engineers had to have is something that uh, I think is, you know, really worth it to ride these rides still today. Yeah, it's interesting that you mention it because I've actually thought about this entirely fabricated experience in my head of traveling back in time and bringing a graphing calculator and just taking over the world. <laughs> Because we like, uh, of course, I'd have to know how to use it to its fullest extent. But right, just right. bringing that graphing calculator and not showing it to anyone, but just telling people that I have an aptitude for crunching numbers and graphing <laughs> and slopes and all that thing, and then just giving me the data, and then I go into a room, and one minute later I come out with all these advanced calculations, and everyone is in awe of me. <laughs> Oh. And you hope you hope your two AA batteries uh, stay stick around that entire time that you oh. get enough juice. Yeah, there you go. That is the crux in my fantasy. But DJ, one of well, these that, days, by that, by that time you've you've got your designs in, your work in. You never have yeah. to do any more calculations, so no worries. You yeah. just ride that out for as long <laughs> as you can. Yeah, one of these days, if I go back in time, I'm going to bring a graphing calculator or something like that really fix out some of these old wooden coasters while I got the chance. I'll bring some tennis shoes. I think that's what I would take back in time with me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Yeah. All yeah. right. So. I, won't, I won't talk on that. I'll keep that in my mind. Oh, so, okay. So you really For are. my reasons, yeah. <laughs> You're working on something. Okay. Well, <laughs> fine. I won't ask you more about it. Uh, but let's get into the rest of the show. Corkscrew Convos cleared for dispatch. Let's dive in. You know, we do have a new format that we've been kind of testing out and really running with, Chris. Uh, I say testing out because, you know, we were kind of back and forth on, ah, should we do it or should we not? Would it make sense for a podcast and what's it going to look like? But uh, we decided to kind of pull the trigger on this, uh, see how it would work out. Uh, and that new format is known as the elusive TikTok. Yes, that's right. We have begun the Corkscrew Convo's TikTok account in addition to 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We have a website now, too, that's going to be rolling out even more soon. Uh, but we got on this TikTok, and we've had some fun. Uh, a lot of the TikToks are just me literally with my phone pointed to the computer screen, and I'm just organic. talking about it stuff. Yeah. It's where the algorithm knows. Yeah, I'm just talking about stuff on Google Earth, and sometimes it hits, sometimes it, it doesn't on the algorithm, but it's just, it's a minimal effort, but I'm still saying something, and I think that's what people want out of a TikTok. Uh, but we actually got a listener question from our TikTok, so this is oh. a new way to get a question to us is through TikTok, in addition to asking it to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or our email, which is corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. This was from Naomi. So shout out to Naomi. Hey, Naomi. Thank you for being our first listener question on TikTok. And they asked, what is a dark ride? So that is, a, of mm. course, a good question. And it is something that I have since answered on the talk. So we'll be brief here when we answer it here as well. Uh, it's a type of ride, a type of attraction where guests move through various show scenes in some sort of powered vehicle. And sometimes it can be water-based. Uh, that could be something like a flume ride that maybe usually doesn't have a drop or a rapid section or something like that. Uh, but it could also be dry, uh, where it is generally not gravity-propelled, because if we're getting into a gravity-propelled attraction, it's pretty much closer to a coaster. So it's also not a ride that goes in a circle or a variation of a circle, because usually... Um, that's just a flat ride, which is, again, a great attraction mm -hmm. kind, a great attraction type, but not what we're talking about right now. And these are usually very, very story-focused, because yes. otherwise you have just a ride. You know, you know I, I think maybe something similar would be like uh, some of these drive-your-own-car experiences. That's not a dark ride. That is more of a... A flat ride or a track-based ride, you could even say. But there's usually not a story involved in there. These are very story-heavy uh, rides uh, with a premise. And you are essentially experiencing the story, uh, all the rising action, the climax, everything in some sort of ride vehicle. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Uh, these dark rides generally do tell a story. They are narrative-based. And... Thinking about dark ride classifications and what is and what isn't a dark ride, I actually got to thinking, and you know how dangerous that is. Uh oh. But by the generally accepted roller coaster definition, there is something that might be considered a coaster at Disneyland that, as far as I can tell, no one considers it a roller coaster. And I don't know. I think I might be onto something, and that is the Casey Jr. Circus Train in Fantasyland at the Disneyland Resort. Are you familiar with this attraction, DJ? I am not at all. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I, I can't even think of an ounce of what this ride is. Okay. It was an opening day attraction at Disneyland, uh, so it opened in the 1950s, and oh, wow. it is a gas-powered train... That sort of sounds like a uh, 
a lawnmower that is just puttering around uh, this area in storybook land. It shares some areas and some show scenes with the storybook land canal boats, uh, but this is a little faster, a little higher up, and there is on-ride audio. There is a hill section where you're climbing up the hill, and Casey Jr. is saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. <laughs> And then you crest, you crest the hill, and then it, it says, I thought I could, I thought I could, I th because it did. And I think that's a <laughs> lesson for all of us. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. The Casey Jr. Circus Train, when it crests that hill, it has a gravity-powered section where you are faster than when it's just the powered sections. And mm -hmm. I think by that definition, this should be considered potentially a powered coaster with a gravity section, a gravity propelled section. It's hard to consider, but hear me out. I think that's fair uh, because what you've described to me, not knowing what this ride is, is essentially a smaller blazing fury or fire in the hole. I don't see any difference between those things. Yeah, I, it's definitely not as pronounced a drop as on those roller coasters. Uh, it's, oh, sure. But yeah, a drop is a drop. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's tilted ground, really. So oh, it's, okay. It's, it's not a big drop. You're kind, of, you're kind of going back on your argument. I would thought you would defend it and be... I'm trying to qualify yes, yes, my yes. argument to strengthen it in the long run. <laughs> I, the closest thing that we have to it right now is actually just about 15 minutes away of the Disneyland Resort, and that is the Calico Mine Train at Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, California. Which okay, familiar I think, with that attraction. Yeah, it is generally considered a roller coaster, even though it has a engine that pulls it through most of the ride when you're going through all of the show scenes in the mine, but then you crest the lift and you have a gravity-propelled section. And it's uh, it's more of a gravity-propelled section than the Casey Jr. Circus Train, definitely. But fundamentally, I think that we maybe should entertain the idea of calling the Casey Jr. Circus Train a coaster in some form. I don't exactly know what kind of coaster we would call it, but I think maybe it could be a coaster. Is it a credit? That's a different conversation. But, and I think that's not a conversation for today. First, let's decide, is this some sort of roller coaster? I, I don't know. Listeners, am I on to something or am I on the wrong track? Pun intended. Uh, oh. Let me know, listeners. Am I full of it or am I on to something? Let me know. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Gmail, website, any way that you can get in contact with me to either agree with me or disagree with me with this, let me know. Because I'm curious about what other people think. I think I've got DJ uh, in my clutches in the terms of this argument, but I, I want to know what other people what other people think as well. So let me let me know. I think you I think you win that argument, but I'm excited to see what folks say. So get in touch with us. Let us know. Uh, maybe even go to a TikTok and comment and say, 
hey, the podcast brought me here and <laughs> just answer it there somewhere. <laughs> yes, we would appreciate that as well. So, DJ, now let's go into what is going on. And this is where we uh, really talk about whatever we want to in this section of the podcast. It could be intriguing developments, current events, funny jokes, juicy rumors, album reviews, trip reports, anything really. It's what's going on. And so that is why we're talking about it. And the first thing that's going on, DJ... What is that? Over at Six Flags Over Texas, just outside of Dallas, Texas, uh, Casa Magnetica it has returned to the attraction lineup there at Six Flags Over Texas, uh, the original Six Flags Park. Uh, this news comes to us from Screamscape. This is a walkthrough attraction, more of a funhouse-style attraction, uh, with an aesthetic that matches that part of the country. Uh, reopening for the first time in 10 years, this is a fan favorite that's been really brought back to the park. Uh, there's a sequence of scenes uh, with actors using various tricks and illusions. I know there's an upside-down room in there as well. Uh, I did see some news on this as well from friends on uh, my personal Facebook where I, I had seen some trip reports and some photos, and this had a pretty decent line. Um, I think some folks uh, were maybe a little surprised at how missed this attraction was. And to be honest, to be able to open it up and to have it reopened and it looks like they've uh, touched it up a little bit, that's another great way to uh, attract people uh, to the park and have a, a more of a new attraction. I put quotes around that because it is reopened. Um, this has existed before, but more than 10 years, uh, I'm sure it was missed. And I think the lines are evident of that. Oh, definitely. Think about it. It's been closed for 10 years. So every kid that visits that park that is younger than 10 years old has never been to this attraction. So for a large segment of the park's visitorship, it's a new thing. It's a new attraction to them. And it is pretty different because it is performance-based instead of steel flinging you in various directions. And personally, I love to see a regional park like Six Flags Over Texas returning to this style of attraction because I guess consider the financial situations that the industry is in as a whole, this is a lot cheaper than building a new coaster, a new flat ride, or even a dark ride. And it's something, and this is what I say all the time, it's something that the whole family can experience together. And I think that regional parks sometimes struggle to offer that experience that everyone in the family can enjoy together. And this is, this in Casa Magnetica is something that fills that niche. Yeah, it definitely fills the niche. And, you know, I want to add to that, that attractions like these are so desperately needed in parks because they produce this atmosphere, this kind of this aesthetic or this this spark of curiosity or imagination that, you know, a roller coaster or a flat ride and some theming can only do so much. So this more immersive experience is so critical to wrapping it all together uh, to really take you out of everyday life, uh, kind of that uh, suspension of disbelief, that willing suspension of disbelief that happens through attractions like these. Uh, and, you know, we can have our phones out and take photos and, you know, the modern conveniences of technology we're using as we might be going through the attraction, but it's something classic that's still around, and that's what excites me, something that's from these older attractions, these older parks, these old funhouse uh, experiences. It's great to see that uh, Six Flags Over Texas put the investment back into this, 
reopened it up. And it's really critical, I think, for that overall experience of a park. I think it adds character to the park. I really think it does. I would agree with that as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's just another place, you know, you talk about the whole family going through it. It's another memory maker, a, a place to remember something, spark a memory, uh, and you'll always have a story to tell about your time visiting the park when such and such happened mm-hmm. in the upside down room. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I heard about Casa Magnetica and I watched the return videos, I initially thought of the future. I say, all right, at least right now it has a lot of popularity. And my mind started to wander to potential applications in special events or things like that, that Six Flags Over Texas might hold throughout the year. I think that this would make, and hear me out, DJ, this would make quite the speakeasy if they were to close it earlier in the day and then transform it into an area that served special adult beverages and snacks. And I think that would be really something. I 100% agree with you on that. I would go another step further and even a, a themed experience exclusive to their Fright Fest or their uh, holiday event, maybe theme it out a little bit more there. Uh, it would be interesting to see what they could do with something like that. Wow, you're taking it even further. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting idea, DJ. So speaking of performance-based entertainment in a themed environment, oh. DJ, Cirque du Soleil hopes to open their new show at Disney Springs, which is called Drawn to Life, and they hope to hmm. open it sometime in the fall of this year. Uh, we got this from Screamscape, this uh, reporting on that. DJ, have you ever seen a Cirque du Soleil show? You know, I'm thinking really hard on this. I have not. I saw a performance at uh, kind of an art camp that I went to in high school. It was recorded, like 20 minutes worth of, of that, um, of a Cirque du Soleil show. I thought it was incredible, but I've not seen it in real life. And I'm trying to figure out... If they do something like this at Disney Springs, where does something like this go? Oh, they have their own theater that they can host such a production-heavy show like Cirque du Soleil that's really heavy on the spectacle. Mm, I I struggle to think where it's at. It's a pretty big theater. I think if you saw a satellite image, uh, your eyes would drift to either that or to the huge Planet Hollywood Dome. (laughs) Those are two large structures at Disney Springs. But I personally have not seen a Cirque du Soleil show, but I understand that it's a modern take on the circus, where there aren't animals or anything like that. But there's a lot of stunts and dancing and a lot of times licensed music. I know at one point there was a Beatles show for Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. They're singing, too. There's instrumentation, I believe, in some of the oh. performances. Okay. I, from what I understand, the whole, the whole thing is like the, the art or the spectacle, you could say, of the human body, like everything that it can do. Huh. Okay. Kind of a multi mashup of a variety cool. of talents. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's just from that 20 minute, um, you know, thing that I'd watched a while ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing a show is, is on my list of things to do. Um, I would love to see one. So it sounds like I might have the chance to do that very soon. 
Yeah, because Drawn to Life, I mean, they are sort of back on track to bringing this show to open at Disney Springs, and this would be the return of that show um, at that shopping, dining, and entertainment district that we do call Disney Springs, because this show has been in the works for many years, and it was originally planned for an opening of April 2020, and for whatever reason, that didn't happen. (laughs) Well, it's really good, though, that... It's coming back. I mean, they had filed for Chapter 15 bankruptcy uh, last summer after being forced to close literally all 44 of its productions. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to see that this this experience is making the way to not only come back, but come back with something completely new. Right. They have a strategy in place out of their bankruptcy. They have been sold to some of their creditors, but it sounds like they are still... Um, retaining what has gotten them the success that they've had um, in the past several decades. And they are positioned to resume operations later this year, hopefully, potentially, withdrawn to life, returning to Disney Springs. And I, I hope to see it someday. I hope to see it someday, too. And knowing it comes back in the fall of this year, that's that's pretty quick. One might even say as quick as a flash of lightning. And oh. you're right, listener, we have reached the lightning round, a fast-paced segment where we will go over things that we may not have a lot of information on. We might ha- not have a lot to say about it. Uh, or there might just be some follow-ups in here from previous episodes. Uh, these are just quick little tidbits, and we try and, and get through these uh, relatively quickly. There's not much to say. You can research it on your own, but it's also a great way to pose a listener question as well through listening to these uh, different tidbits. Our first bit of lightning is that the Gravity Group and their associated business, Gravity Craft, have been busy refurbishing coasters across the United States over the last several months. And this came to us from Amusement Today uh, by Tim Baldwin. Uh, They wrote that the Gravity Group and Gravity Craft have been rebuilding sections of uh, very notable wooden coasters at Kings Island, Kima Boardwalk, and Holiday World and Splash and Safari. These are the Racer, Boardwalk Bullet, and the Raven. So definitely, these are going to make for an improved roller coaster experience when each of these coasters reopen uh, this spring. Uh, Meanwhile, Made to Thrill has begun a partnership with Kings Island to offer park-exclusive merchandise this season. So right now, there's a set of two posters uh, that have been uh, shown off, uh, both of the racer that we just talked about, a very iconic dueling wooden roller coaster, as well as the Beast. Uh, This is the world's longest wooden roller coaster, still is. Uh, There's more to come, but these posters look look really great. Uh, Definitely a poster I would hang up on my wall. Um, but this deal follows some similar work, too, that Made to Thrill has done for other parks already. Uh, you can think of parks like Holiday World and Splash and Safari in Santa Claus, Indiana, as well as Cedar Point um, doing merchandise for them. So this makes sense. Glad to see that uh, Made to Thrill is making uh, various moves throughout these parks uh, and offering these awesome merchandise items that uh, you, even you, dear listener, can also pick up. Yeah, I personally own one poster. I think it was of the Big Bad Wolf um, oh, at Bush Gardens Williamsburg. <laughs> and I, I think I have one of their pins as well. They have patches, pins, posters, uh, a ton of great stuff, and <laughs> they do good work. I agree, I agree. So also, now let's head to Malaysia for this last bit of lightning because the world's first synergy coaster is coming to Genting Sky Worlds in Malaysia. 
Yes, it's a coaster where you are f- forced to make synergy with your business team. <laughs> sort of. I mean, uh, <laughs> metaphorically, I could buy that. But this is from Dynamic Attractions, which is the design firm and manufacturing firm that sort of builds anything. Universal uses them a lot. Disney uses them a lot because they can do pretty much anything. A lot of the most technologically advanced out there attractions use technology and design from dynamic attractions. And this is one of their newest attractions now from dynamic. And it looks to be an adaptation of their existing dark ride technology uh, that they have used for things like test track at Epcot and radiator Springs racers, where you sort of racing along a track, but the vehicle itself is pulled from a connection in the track itself. Uh, But this time, here's where it gets different, DJ. Instead of a traditional ride vehicle, it has uh, vehicles where riders sit two across uh, in a motorbike position. So that is definitely something Mm -hmm. different. It's adding another element of novelty to this attraction. And the images that we've seen so far, and there's not a ton out there yet, but they look very impressive. And there's a lot of artificial rocky terrain built around the attraction. So it really looks like something that is going to be up there as one of the most technologically advanced, most well-thought-out, at least visually, attractions in the world. Uh, We have a little bit of the story so far for what this coaster is going to do. Eagle Mountain is going to be a new section at Genting Sky Worlds, and people at this area love to ride their bikes, their motorbikes, and they love to sort of just go off-road, do whatever, and now you can too. Uh, with this coaster, this Synergy coaster that is going to be um, opening sometime this year by the look of it. But it definitely looks like something special. Makes me wonder why Disney went with uh, Vacoma for the Tron ride, knowing that it looks like Dynamic is doing something a bit similar. But conversation for another time. Definitely. Well, that was our lightning round. We knocked that out pretty quickly, I think, DJ. <laughs> and like we said, like a bolt of lightning, here and gone. Yeah. So it is time to hit the brakes, but we're not done yet. We're not done quite yet, Chris. Dear listener, send us questions if you have one. Let's have a corkscrew conversation with you. There's a variety of ways to talk with us, to have that corkscrew combo with us. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Corkscrew Convos. We even have an email, corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. And don't forget corkscrewconvos.com. Right now, that takes you to our podcast and the various places to listen to the podcast itself, but be on the lookout as that is quickly turning into another place for great information and potentially a place where Chris's idea corner will become permanent. Oh, I like the sound of that. That really sounds nice. Uh, But really, DJ, there's a reason to follow the show on each of these platforms because we're doing different things on each of these. And just recently on Facebook, we shared in album of photographs from Celebration City. 
um, someone was sharing them, and we, we hit that share button really fast, and we said, wow, look at that, uh, because I think it was an auction or something that brought people into the park a few years after it closed, and I personally have never been to this park, and I know you have a lot of formative memories there, but it was really interesting to just see what it looked like to walk down the street of Celebration City. And if you're not following us on Facebook, you may have missed out. But luckily for you, dear listener, you can always go back to our Facebook. Make sure and like us. Check out that album. And don't forget every other social that we're on. We like to do different varied content like Chris was saying. Don't forget our TikTok that may have brought you here. I think we have a video with over 72,000 views at this point that Chris did. Oh, we're in the 80s. We're in the 80s. It just keeps keeps (laughs) growing. I I just find it so cool that it's so organic and... And, you know, it's, it's, it's just great that that, that video is doing so well. But follow TikTok. You might learn something on there. Uh, and, you know, be on the lookout for our next big giveaway on social media. It will be soon, and we promise it will be something very special. Yes. If you, listener, want to help the show, we have a free and easy way for you to do that. You can go ahead and write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts in your podcast app where many of you are already listening to Corkscrew Convos on your Apple device. Um, You can just leave that five-star review, uh, write a quick thing, we'll read it out on the show, and we will give you a hearty shout-out. I like that. Pirate shout-outs all around here at Corkscrew Convos. And be sure to follow us. Puts us in your queue. You'll know when the next episode comes up. And it'll just make your life that much easier. And with that, I think we're ready to wrap this episode. This, uh, maybe I should let you do this, Chris. You've always closed every episode. I almost did it, but I think we need to keep with you closing it. <laughs> well, you, do you want to close some tradition. Maybe, maybe episode 30. We'll okay. see. I almost did it, and... I had to stop because I was like, it just feels wrong coming out of my (laughs) mouth. (laughs) Well, who knows? Yeah, let's see episode 30. Let's see how that feels. But until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening.